Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What up, buddy? Ah, buddy, I'm good, man. How how you holding up? Uh, holding up well. Can't complain. It's a, it's a new year. What are you watching? What what's on your uh, DVR? What are you watching? Netflix TV? What's uh, what are you watching? Uh, what are we watching? Oh, the the Queen's Gambit. We were okay, watching that. Saw it. Um, That's fun. It's interesting. Yeah. Um. That's kind of what we're into right now. I, we've got a couple queued up, but I, so I can't really say if any other ones are good or not. We're, we'll get to the Queen's Gambit and then see see where we're at from there. Are you are you not a Cobra Kai guy? I have not watched. I've heard it is very good, but I have it's not fun. watched. It, it's just a really fun, easy, quick show, and it's just the writing's good. It's sort of like OC-ish, but like cheesier, and they know they're cheesy. So it's just good and fun and corny. It's you- uh, It's are you a Bachelor I enjoy it. and Bachelorette fan? I'm watching a little bit. I'm watching a little bit. I'm watching Matt. I'm watching Matt, and uh, it's fine this season. It's fine, I'd say. It's just, to me, there's just nothing really exciting about this season yeah. um, so far. But uh, I did find it a little weird when the first episode, like, he has all the girls praying. And then ever since, I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, this guy's too perfect. I'm falling for him. You know, like, this guy... It's too perfect. Well, I think we have but, a perfect uh, guest of- to ask about what her thoughts are on on Matt James because we got Andy Dorfman coming up, who obviously was a Bachelor contestant herself, turned Bachelorette. So we'll get her on in a minute. I I do know we want to what? Let's read a a comment, right? Let's read a uh, read a comment, read a review, and again, uh, if you leave us a, a good comment or a good review. We will read it live on air. That's the best thing you can do to support this podcast, the Hollywood Raw Podcast. Is go on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you uh, listen to the podcast, leave a review, and that's the best way you can do to support this podcast. Uh, it's just like this weird algorithm with the podcast land, and that's what you got to do. Dax, plus, do you have a review? And plus it's good for our egos. Yes, so. <laughs> we have self-esteem issues, so please help us out. All right, so the review comes from Cheryl. Cheryl put. This is an incredible podcast. You guys are killing it. I absolutely love your podcast. You always ask the questions we want to know. I have to say this is the first podcast where I don't mind listening to the advertisements as you guys are absolutely hilarious. And Dax, your laugh is infectious. I love it. Thank you for all the humor. The uh, wait, the humor maybe you bring to the podcast and it's uplifting and brightens our day. Thank you, Cheryl. Oh, Cheryl. Cheryl's Cheryl, our new best thank friend. Thank you so much. Yeah, we are invited to our Christmas party next year. It's a company Christmas party. It's just me and Dax at a Buffalo Wild Wings. So, uh, and we do it remotely because he's in California. I'm in New York. So we do it over Skype, but we both go to a Buffalo Wild Wings. That's how we celebrate our Hollywood Raw company Christmas party. Um, thank you, Cheryl. Uh, Dax, tell us about our guest today. Uh, today's guest is a former district attorney turned bachelor contestant who then became the bachelorette herself. And, oh, I think has also become a two-time best-selling author, amassed a huge following on social media, and started her own running app called Endorphins. Please welcome Andy Dorfman. So, Andy, a few months ago you left uh, New York City for L.A. How's it going? I love it. Um, Yeah, left New York City mid-pandemic, like June. I, I was there 
through most of it. April was a tough month. Um, honestly, I kind of always had plans to come out West. My sister's out here with two little kids and I was just like, I got to pull the trigger, you know, and now or never. And so picked up and moved from one lockdown to another. <laughs> so what you're saying is LA is better than New York, right? Um, no, I love New York. <laughs> I have a special place in my heart for New York, no matter what. But I will tell you, life is a little easier here in LA. Like the sun is always shining. You know, it's 78 degrees right now. Uh, I feel like I'm almost living a retired life. <laughs> you see, uh, see, see you if you don't West know, Adam's in New York. I'm in LA. So we have this debate quite often and I yeah. am very pro LA. So you hear that, Adam? LA wins. Did you do New York, Dax? Did you ever do New York? Oh, I've been to New York a lot. I've never lived yeah. in New York because there's just too much going on, but I love LA. It's so fun though. Like I'm glad I did New York. I was there for five and a half years. So like I got my fill of New York in. And now it's like, oh, okay, the days are, are longer and brighter over here. <laughs> and Dax, let's be real. Andy, you also lived like in the coolest area. You lived like pure Carrie Bradshaw, Sex and the City world. You lived right in the West Village. You had like an insane area around you. It was like a community. You had good restaurants, good bars, good shopping. Like it was the ideal. I can't think of maybe another a better place to live in New York City than your location. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I, I basically rented when I first moved. I had moved from Atlanta to New York City. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anything about it. I'd gotten a couple of recommendations and I found like a great Airbnb on Grove Street. And from there, which is like the heart of West Village, from there it was like there was no way I was leaving the West Village. And so stayed there for five and a half years. And yeah, it was great. I had like my Carrie Bradshaw years. You know, I had my... Moments of like flipping my hair when I was crossing the, the street and looking at the Freedom Tower. Like it was amazing. But five and a half years was a good run for me there. What was the final show that made you move? I mean, it was kind of, like I said, it was kind of in the works. I don't have family in New York. Like there wasn't a lot tying me there. Um, after I'd written the second book, there really wasn't that much tying me there. And then COVID hit and staring at the same four small walls, even though I lived in a great area, like my apartment was a shoebox. And I just was like, now or never, just do it. I have to do it. And then thought about starting the app. Everything was kind of out here in LA as far as like a production standpoint, app developers, space to go running. Um, so that was kind of the trigger in like May, June. That's awesome. So would you ever move back to New York or are you going to be an LA girl from now forward? I'm going to be an LA girl for a while. It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, five years from now or so I go, I make my way back down South. My family's there. Um, other than my sister, I love Southern boys. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you, it's it's hard, Dax. You know, it's hard to leave this weather. I, I feel it. Yeah. So you mentioned the app, the Endorphins app, which we're going to get into. You know, we're going to talk about all the stuff you're up to in the Endorphins app, which is super cool. We're going to get into that. But let's start first how people got to know Andy Dorfman. Obviously, you went on The Bachelor first. Uh, you know, you're – Let's start off. You, you're an attractive girl. You're intelligent. You had a great job. You know, you were, you were working as a former, you're a former district attorney. Uh, what made you want to do The Bachelor? Well, it started with free drinks because I was on a government salary. My girlfriends all told me about this casting call for The Bachelor. And I was like, there's no way I'm doing The Bachelor. Of course, I knew what it was. I didn't watch it. Not really a fan. And then they told me there were free drinks at the party. <laughs> so I went for the free drinks. Um, the funny story about it is I didn't even get the free drinks because one of the producers had pulled me aside, had a conversation with them. And then 
they wanted to invite me to LA. Again, being on a government salary, I was like, wait a second, can I go visit my sister who lives in San Diego if I come to LA? And they said, sure, we'll set that up, like no worries. So then it turned in from free drinks to a free trip. And then next thing I knew, I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna go to LA for the, the actual show. I'm sure I won't even get on. I didn't know how any of it worked. Another free vacation is how I saw it. And then I got there and I was like, wow, what did I get myself into here? And nine weeks later, I showed back up at work and I was like, I'm back. <laughs> it, it took, did it take nine weeks to film? Or is it just they had you kind yeah, of the like first... sequestered for nine weeks? Well, so the whole, the, when I was on The Bachelor with Juan Pablo, you start like a few days before they like lock you in a hotel room, literally for like three days. That's before you even have the first night. And then... I had made it through the fantasy suites. And at that point, they had all these spoilers coming out. So they were kind of keeping everybody wherever they were. We were in St. Lucia, which sounds amazing. And it was, but like three weeks of like quarantine, basically on an island gets to you, like total island fever. And so in total, it ended up being about nine weeks for me before I got to go back home. And when you're doing like the, you know, the fantasy suites, are you allowed, do you have to stay in your room while the other people are doing their time? Or are you allowed to like go hang out on the beach? No. So you have a, at that point you have a handler, they call it. So you've got one person that's like monitoring you. You still, by the way, have no access to the outside world. You still cannot have a phone. You're not talking to your parents. You can't like be on the internet, watch TV, nothing. So they kind of keep you occupied. I mean, you could go to the beach, I guess, or a pool, but then they've got to disperse everybody around to different hotels because you don't want to run into somebody else on their fantasy suite. Although now they probably do want to do that. (laughs) But back in the day, back in the day when it was a little more kosher, they really made sure to separate everybody. So it was just you and that handler and that was it. What did you do to occupy your time then? Because that sounds really boring. Drink, (laughs) drink and drink and ordered room service. Like, Everyone wonders why people, you know, can put on a few pounds in that show. It's like all you do is eat. And drink. Doesn't sound like that bad. <laughs> Adam's no, like, Adam's like, fun. sign me up. How is yeah. the food on this show? Is it yeah. pretty good? Because we, who did we talk to the other day? I forget. I forget who we talked to. Maybe it's Trista or something. Trista said the food was actually pretty decent. Oh, amazing! When we lived in the mansion, they you literally wrote out a grocery list every day, and this list would be just pages and pages long. And all of a sudden, a couple hours later, the the pantry, the fridge was completely stocked. Yeah, they spared no expense. Like ABC and Bachelor were really good to us in that way. I mean, anything you want. Do they do kind that. of like? Do they display the booze? Like, here you go. We're not gonna stop you. Because I know, like MTV shows, they definitely they do. don't stop you. Yeah, no, they definitely don't stop you. I mean, I think it's just like sitting on the counter. There's not like a wine cellar ready to go. I wish, but no, they don't stop That's you. Awesome. <laughs> what about you know? Obviously, from you know. You go out there, you have no access to the outside world. You know, you're, you're, there's probably so many thoughts going in your head. Do you ever look back at the experience and be like, man, do I have like PTSD from it? Um, You know, I don't know if it's necessarily like PTSD. I think it's more of just like sometimes I have to stop myself from going down the rabbit hole of like how much it changed my life. Like you said in the beginning, I was an attorney. I kind of had my whole life like what I thought I wanted to be played out for me, you know, how I was going to work up the latter, how I was going to be, you know, promoted to this, that, like work hard all these years. And then just like the, the turn that it can take. I mean, I always try and say like, I don't regret it because I wouldn't be in LA. I wouldn't have been in New York city living in the West village. Like I was a girl from Georgia, you know, I was, I would have been married with a white picket fence, probably miserable at like 32 at this point. 
And so I think less PTSD and more of just like, wow, the trajectory of my life changed very quickly and very drastically. Well, I want to know, what was your first like opinion or thoughts of Juan Pablo? Because I, I feel like all these you see the contestants go on and they always look like they're love at first sight. But I'm like, I can't imagine that being true. Yeah. Or is it just like the atmosphere and like people get into it and it's because that's what they're supposed to do. I think a little both for me personally. I mean, he was hot. That was my first impression. Like I remember pulling up to the limo, obviously the lighting's impeccable. He's standing there in a nice tailored suit, but he was a good looking guy. And like, I walked up, I was like, this guy is hot. You know, he doesn't have to say anything for me to know that he's hot. <laughs> but where is he now? You know, I don't know. I think he, I had heard he had gotten married, I think. Yeah, I, I heard that. But then I heard he got divorced, too. Uh, he's he's off like the he's like, you know, of all the Bachelor and Bachelor contestants. He's like the one that like just went missing. I don't feel like anybody has confined him. The first him. Bachelor. I, I totally forgot yeah. his name right now. But the first Bachelor guy, he oh, yeah, is he's gone. Definitely missing. Like no one can find him off the radar. Yeah, he really did go off the radar, Juan Pablo. I mean, obviously, I don't think the experience for him turned out as well as it has for some other bachelors. So I'm sure he just kind of wanted to get some distance from yeah, all of that. He wasn't a very liked bachelor at the end of the day. No. You got a lot of crap. Okay, okay, so then you, got, you go through your whole process. Then they approach you and say, we want you to become the bachelorette. How did that process happen? I mean, at first I said, hell no, I've already been through this for nine weeks. And like, there's no way my job's going to let me like do this. And I remember just joking about it because I went back to work, you know, when we were airing, we stopped filming in like, uh, I think mid-November, right before Thanksgiving. So I was back at work and then it's not till like March when they do the finale or the tell-all. Um, and I remember just like joking about it with my boss and they were like, you have to do it. Like, it's a no-brainer. You have to do it. And they were like, you keep your job, like when you come back. So then at that point, I was like, you know what, maybe I'm just going to do this. And in an ironic way, I feel like I'm going to be the person that was the attorney that was kind of cynical about it, that went on for free drinks and a free vacation, and it's going to be the one to end up finding love. So in my 27-year-old mind at the time, I really was like, this is going to be it for me. So I went for it. Was there like an extensive interview process or did they just offer it to you or did they start talking to you about it? They just slapped a contract in front of me. Like at Women Tell All, I remember at Women Tell All, they slapped a contract in front of me and there's a little back and forth. Um, I remember at the time, you know, just not, even though I was an attorney, like I was a prosecutor, I wasn't a contract lawyer. I'd taken one contract class probably my entire life. Um, and very quick, happened very quickly. And next thing I knew, a couple weeks later, I was, you know, getting fitted for the rose ceremony dresses. So w what's the difference well. between walking in the room as the bachelorette and walking in the room with just 25 other girls going, oh, God, well, let's see what happens. What's the experience like? Uh, I mean, it's so different because as the bachelorette, you're really in charge of the contestants. Like that was something that I feel like a lot of women, including myself, kind of didn't appreciate with Juan Pablo necessarily was that like, he didn't really like take charge. Like he knew what was going on. None of us ever knew what was going on. But as the lead, you know what's going on. You're prepped on the dates. You've done kind of the walkthroughs. Like you've seen, you know, the whole lay of the land. So I think it was more of not so much being in control, but more of being like able to kind of take care of the guys and lead them more versus just being around 25 girls having no idea what's going on. 
Did you know, like, when the guys came out of the limo, we were like, oh, this guy's got no chance right away? Like, we're like seven guys, like, get the, let's stop. Like, listen, let's just end this now. Make it a little bit easier. I forgot <laughs> your name. And actually, that's where I, I, I'm curious. How do you remember everyone's name during the first rose ceremony? Well, first of all, like, the first two limos, I remember taking a break and I was like, we're done. Like, we could just end here. Like, there's no zero chance this is going to happen. Like, the first two limos, I just did not know. But I mean, I always say it's like when you walk into a bar, if you walked into a bar with, you know, 25 guys or girls, whether you're a guy or girl, you know which ones you're attracted to and which ones you aren't. Um, As far as the name, I will say this, like I didn't, I, I remember talking to Juan Pablo the first night, but I remember a lot of girls, you know, not getting their time. And I made an effort to get time with each of the guys. And I just like asked them about their lives or their like what they did. And I remember just kind of associating like, okay, Ben did brought like baked beans and ma- and macaroni and cheese. Like I would just remember one thing about each guy, and then it was pretty easy to remember their names. Like you have a conversation. So you didn't have to like stop down in between each rows and be like, "Feed me some names." So you stop, but it's not necessarily for the lead; it's for the camera crew, so that they know where they're focusing. So they give you a list, and I remember I was like, "No, we'll go through all twenty-five. You know, try to be like hardcore." <laughs> they're like, "This isn't about you going through twenty-five. Like." We're sure you're an attorney. You can like memorize 25 names. They're like, it's more for the camera crew to like set up and be able to pan. That's so funny. I always wonder, yeah. and I, you, like what we see as the audience is it looks like, you know, one night. But why do you think that they force this all, this whole interaction to end at like six in the morning, right? Like, doesn't it end crazy early in the morning? Yeah. It ends in the morning. Well, so what happened? I mean, first of all, production always gets delayed. So they have to wait till it's nighttime to start. Cause you want like that continuity of everybody arriving. And by the time the limos pull up, the intros, they got to like water down the driveway after each person. Um, and there's so many people the first night. So I think that's why the first night just takes so long is there's so many people. So then do they let you rest the whole next day after you film the first night or are they like, Hey, up and Adam, let's uh, go on our first date. Yeah, no. So they, they, um, we go back to the hotel. I don't know if this is how they still do it, but we, go back to the same hotel that we were sequestered in before while they like get the house ready. You know, they've got to like move the bunk beds around and I guess change some of the furniture or whatever. Um, and then I think a day or two later you move into the house. I didn't realize that. Do it they sounds tell- like Playmate, <laughs> by the way, when I say like, house. I've never realized how much that sounds like a Playboy thing, but it's like, yeah, we move into the house. Like, <laughs> Do they tell you the order in, in, in the way to say the names? Do, Cause it's always like the, you know, I'm always saying from watching, other epi- it's always like the last person that person it's suspenseful like are they gonna say this person's name so do they tell you the order or do they edit the order when you see they edit it? the order gotcha so if you look closely sometimes you can see that like somebody already has a rose pinned and they haven't been called yet wow so they edit the order i don't remember us really like sticking to an order except like hey make sure you say these five guys because like this is where the camera crew is set up for these five guys. They've got their guys ready to so go. So what's something that happens inside the house that viewers never get to see? Mm-hmm. A lot of nail painting, <laughs> a lot of manicures. <laughs> I mean, there's literally like all day long. If somebody's on a date all day, you're just sitting at the house. They make you do so many interviews, but a lot of manicures, lots of, Luckily, there's hairstylists and makeup in every in every bunch like of girls. Uh, but yeah, lots of French braids and manicures. <laughs> Sounding more and yeah. more like the same <laughs> So you got engaged on the show, but obviously that engagement didn't lead to marriage. Um, 
do you ever think like, man, if I could do it over, like, it's this is gonna sound pretty ridiculous, but like, man, I should have picked the other person. Like, there was a good shot with Nick. No, it's like it worked out. It just didn't work out. Honestly, if I had to pick a different person from my season, it would not have been Nick who was second. It would have been Chris Souls who was mm. third. Yeah. But at the time, I just like he was my buddy, he was my friend, and I really liked Nick and Josh. And so I was like, all right, I have to like remove he Chris was kind of like my safety blanket. Like he was the guy that I could go on a date with and like I knew that we could like have a good time. There wasn't a ton of pressure. Like he was a relief, but I knew like when the final three came down, I was like, I need to actually get serious about these final two. And so I kind of had to remove him as like a safety net. But definitely, um, it wouldn't have been Nick. It wouldn't have been anyone else, I don't think. Did you date any of the contestants after the like did you date any of them after the show that you didn't pick? No, no, no. No. <laughs> it was just done. Yeah. Now it they- was done. I mean, they also like most of my season went on to be bachelors. Both Nick and Chris went on to be bachelors at some point. So now that you've done the experience, would you ever do it again? No. <laughs> you've been on twice. Like I feel like you're still si- well, I we don't know. Yeah, not in a bad way that I wouldn't do it again. Just like I actually like really enjoyed doing it. It was great. I traveled. I have still, even though it didn't work out for me, like still have, you know, a great taste in my mouth about it. Like I traveled the world. I met really cool people. I had this experience, but like, I don't know. I don't think I'd want to do it again. I think that the track record is so poor for the bachelor and the bachelorette. Like, I feel like we, we are so excited for these relationships. We kind of fall in love with you guys and the relationship, and they, they don't seem to work out for most of them. And is it just because it's such a small period of time, people don't have time to really get to know each other? Is that what it comes down to? I mean, I think there's a you have to be honest and say there's a difference between The Bachelorettes and The Bachelor. Just like statistically speaking, The Bachelorettes have a much higher success rate. I mean, there's a lot of the girls that have gotten married or engaged or like still together with somebody. I think obviously girls and ladies tend to lead with their emotions, whereas the men are, you know leading with you know other parts of their body Um, they just see like yeah they see the attraction I think you have tunnel vision for sure I mean you're filming a show like you're on these incredible dates there's lights there's cameras you know you have that but also I think again to your point Dax it's just a very short amount of time I mean I remember coming off the show and realizing like oh wow like his life is not exactly how it was portrayed you know and it's like when you get back to reality and those cameras are off, it's a, it's a different world. But I do think the females have a better intuition and make sure to kind of connect on like a more emotional level. And that's why I think they have a better success rate. I could see that. You, I mean, obviously when you were The Bachelor, you got engaged to Josh. You guys broke up. Do you, have you talked to Josh at all? Oh, hell no. <laughs> no, no, hell no. no. <laughs> no, I moved to New York and that was my that was my parting gift. Wanna, <laughs> has he tried to reach out or just like maybe just to make amends? I'm pretty sure that number's been blocked for about 5 <laughs> or 6 years. I want to wow. know with with uh, the bachelor and the bachelorette, I feel that, you know, it, it is it does it still have the longevity that it once had? I guess that's what I want to know. I mean, if you had asked me two or three years ago, I would have said there's no way the show goes another two or three years. But like, look at it now. It's still huge. And I think obviously a lot of that has to do with the social media craze around it. I think 
Bachelor and social media have really like blended well together to the point where I don't I don't see the show ending anytime soon. Do you guys have like a supportive community as far as like, you know, once you're announced to become The Bachelor or even like when Claire is announced to become The Bachelorette and stuff, do you guys all have to call each other and wish them good luck and give them advice? Is, I feel like that's like the motherhood of everyone. Yeah, we have a Bachelorette oh, group chat. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's very cool. Do you feel like the show at all is losing steam, you know, based on the short season with Claire, and then it, it, it's just kind of, it's coming so quick, the seasons. Do you feel like at all it's it's losing its edge a little bit? I mean, I think it was losing its edge a little bit when we started to see the social media, like, climbers, so to speak, where you just started to see people that were clearly on there for social media and followers and, you know, the campaigns. Um, I think it's going to get back on track. Now we're back on track with timing. So you kind of have to discount last year, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and like they're trying to film in one hotel. They've got two bachelorettes kind of crazy, but now they're back on schedule. So I don't know. I think, I think this year will be very telling for the franchise of like what direction it's going in, you know, how much steam it's kind of lost or how much steam it's going to gain. I don't know. Like I said, three years ago, I would have been like, no, that show's not going to be on for that much longer. And here we are still talking about it. All right, so is Andy Dorfman single or dating right now? <laughs> uh, define uh, dating. I mean, I'm, I'm willing are to you, date. Are you seeing one person by chance? <laughs> no, I'm definitely single. Um, definitely single. Back on the market. So wait, we saw you posted a photo on vacation, and clearly there was a guy with you, and then you quickly deleted it. And maybe you deleted it because everyone's trying to guess who the guy is. But why did you delete the photo first? Okay, so I kind of forgot how involved people still are in like Bachelor and Bachelorette's love lives. And so something that might not be very serious, it's like I haven't I don't post a lot of that kind of stuff in my personal life. It's like I've been off the show for six years and I've clearly dated guys in the past six years. I just I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize this is going to be a thing. Like I thought it was just like like my friends will be like, oh. But no, it blew up, and I was just like, oh, my God, this is, this is a mistake. <laughs> I saw a lot of names flying around, but the one I saw was – the name popped up the most was Bennett Jordan. Any chance that was him in the photo? Yeah, I heard that too. No, I don't even know who that is. I mean, now I do because of that, but I've never met him. I don't know. Yeah, and I made it clear. I was like, I have not dated anybody outside <laughs> my season. Other than the guys on my season, I've not dated anybody outside of my season. <laughs> Do you think Bennett was the one who put it out there to kind of egg on to keep his name out there at all? I don't know. I don't even know what season he was on. I think he he was a contestant on uh, with Dale, with Claire. Like he was like a newer type guy, I think, I believe. Yeah. It, it, but it was crazy how much that blew up. Well, here's the thing. You have a very good relationship with Chris Harrison. And I guess a lot of people speculated that you and Chris potentially had a relationship or dated. Did did any of that happen at all? No, I feel like people have said that for years. He's like one of my closest friends. And I feel like they say that about like him with every contestant, which is so funny because he's like the farthest thing from that. Like he comes in. I don't want to say he's like a dad because I don't want to age him that much. But he is now. I mean, a lot of these girls are, you know, the age of his son at this point but like he that's not him at all it's not his style like no so and you're, you're friends with tyler cameron right i, I think that's yeah. pretty well known and tyler obviously yeah, yeah. is really good friends with matt james so mm-hmm. curious what i'm assuming you've ran into matt james you must know him yeah yeah what's your yeah, thoughts of him and being the bachelor this season 
Uh, no, I know Matt really well. It's so funny. They're like, I joke that they're little brothers. I mean, they're just, they're so funny, but they're, they're young. Um, I love Matt. So Matt actually before when he was going on Claire's season, he's like, you know, talking to me, he's like, what am I going to do for my entrance? And I'll never forget. He was like in my apartment in New York, literally we're gluing these little roses to magnets to like give to Claire on the first night. And he was pumped to go on. And then next thing he knew, it was like three weeks later and they just announced him as the bachelor. So his entire world, I feel like has just totally changed. I feel like as much as Tyler can prep him for it, he is on his own now. I watched like last night's episode and I was like, wow, he's really on his own. Um, but I love Matt. He's a sweet guy. He's like a good dude. He's a guy that you talk to and like a little bit mild mannered, but like just a good dude. Here's the thing I question with that. I'm sure he's a good guy and stuff, but the reason why he kind of got a little, I guess, shit from Claire is because he created a cameo count before his season even went in. So I guess Claire is a little upset about that and she posted saying I think people were going on the show for the wrong intentions now you you said like you know people go on the show to kind of be a social climber in some sense do we think that's why Matt's doing it is to become a social climber has he seen how big Tyler got I don't think so the thing with happened with Claire which was well and I talked to her about this what was the reason she was so upset was because Claire wasn't allowed to be saying anything you know she was under contract she was going to be the bachelorette. So it wasn't so much as like, oh, Matt's doing this or so. And there were a lot of guys doing stuff, by the way. It wasn't just Matt. But she wasn't out able to say anything. And I think she f kind of felt like the control and the power had been taken away from her in that sense, where it's like, wait, she has to stay quiet, but all these guys can be like doing all this stuff. And like they had done uh, like a, an uh, interview that I think was set up through production. So she was just kind of like, this isn't really fair. I don't get to talk, but all these guys that like, haven't even come on the show and kind of paid their dues are getting to talk. So I, that the whole thing I think was kind of taken out of context. And I think it was a lot less about Matt and it was more just the general concept of her feeling like, wait a second, like I'm doing all this behind the scenes stuff and like making sure these dates are going to go well and prepping and like, I don't get to talk, but they do. I was going to say, did Matt reach out to you and ask for your, you know, any advice on becoming the bachelor? Since you've gone through oh, yeah. that we main talked role. About it. Yeah, we talked about it pretty extensively, actually. Um, and I mean, I just kind of gave the same advice because let's be honest, nobody's going to listen to the advice. It goes in one ear out the ear for everyone. <laughs> I'm like, just try and be yourself, like do your thing. You know, no matter what anybody says to you, you're not going to be prepared. Mm -hmm. You get left kind of like on a stranded island where you, again, have no access to any phones, any people that you know. And I feel like just all advice goes out the window. So I'm always just like, just enjoy it. Soak it in. You're only going to get to do it once, probably. And I always just say that. So you're a former district attorney. How many presidents are on the Mount Rushmore? Four. Four presidents. Is that is that right, Dex? Yes. Is, that, is that what we're saying? Four? Okay. So if we had to do a Mount Rushmore. I was like, where are we going five? with this? <laughs> so if we had to do a Mount if we had to do a Mount... Maybe they don't know the answer either. <laughs> In true Mount... attorney fashion. I know. And, and actually, you being a district attorney has nothing to do with Mount Rushmore. But uh, I just figure you're smart and you'd probably know the answer because I didn't. Um, being... Uh, if we had to do a Mount Rushmore, are the best male and female bachelorettes, who would it be on that Mount Rushmore? Are we going like drama? Are we going likable? Like, we got to have a little more context. Let's just do likable likable male bachelors who would be on that mount rushmore bob guinea okay. this is a, this is my personal mount sure rushmore. bob guinea 
um, Andrew Firestone, Ben Higgins, and Chris Souls. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Now, if we had to do the women, taking yourself out of it, who would be on that? Oh, that's hard for me. Um, Emily Maynard. I'm going to go. This is just my personal. Okay. Emily, (laughs) Rachel, Caitlin, and... I'll go Trista. OG. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I was waiting yeah. for that name. I'm like, you can't do a Mount Rushmore yeah. without yeah. Trista. Yeah. I, like... I don't want to get in trouble if I don't say Trista. No, <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So here's a question for you. So you've done, obviously, The Bachelorette. How do you meet guys now? Because it's like, do you do dating apps? Like, how, do, how does Andy meet dudes? Honestly, just like setups. Like, friends will set up, you know... My friends will just set me up. like mutual. So you're not on any of the dating apps? No, I think I tried a few of them, and I was just like, yeah, I mean, too much. Too much stimulation happening. I didn't know, like, what to think of them. But, yeah, I'd say I probably rely on, on friends. A couple DMs have slid in, I'm not going to lie, that I've entertained. <laughs> any any celebs? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But how is someone supposed to get your attention on the DM? Like, let's say, okay, it's a celeb. Do the, Did that come up right in your feed first? Like, do you see them before anybody else? Because I'm sure you get a ton of DMs. The check mark. I feel like that's why everyone's after the check mark. Not to like, I mean, I'm sure some people just want a blue check mark, but really it's like the check mark gets you at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gotcha. Who was the one person that slid in your DM? And not, uh, you know, not just in a dating wise. That was just like, fuck, this is so cool. Like, they know who I am. I'm on their radar. Um, huh, good question. I don't know. I mean, because there's such Bachelor and Bachelorette fans that I'm sure, like, they want to ask you a question about the show or ask you about this person, and just because they're they're a fan of what you're doing, maybe personally. So is there one person that kind of slid in, you're like, dude, how fucking cool is this? And you text your sister and, like, I guess you just hit me up. I'm trying to think. I mean, because there have been a few for sure. Um, I mean, I've run into a couple. I think more it's like having run into, especially like in New York. Like I've run into like Liv Tyler, like even Andy Cohen said something to me one time, like on the streets in New York. And I was just like, wait, what? Like, you know me. I know you. Yeah. They all live in your hood, too. So it's cool. They're they're your neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in West Village, there were a couple of those run ins where I was just like, wow, like what? You know my name? (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. Well, who's who's the one person in your phone that still is like, holy shit, I have their number? Oh, good question. <laughs> Wait, I'm like, I'm like about to look at my phone and see. Um, it's always so interesting to I see who have their number. Who, yeah, like who's the most famous person yeah. on my phone, basically. Uh, you know what? The the funny thing is, I still keep all of my old DA detectives in my phone number just in case. <laughs> oh, we can't do anything with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think those might be more important than the celebs. Yeah. They might find some shit about cele- about Dak, so let's keep those numbers away from us. Uh, <laughs> who do I have? It's funny because like I probably don't even talk to any of them. They probably don't even know that I have their number. <laughs> Colpo is a good one. Oh, that's, oh, that's, that's a good, good one. one. Oh, I have Catherine Schwarzenegger. Oh, nice. that's a, she's a great one. She's cool. She's so great. She probably has no idea who I am and probably just gave me her number to be nice, but... <laughs> Kim Zolciak's a good one. Oh, that's a great one. I have like 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have like a, a low-key friendship with Kim. I met her like once or twice because she's from Atlanta and we had like some mutual friends. And like she'll text me every once in a while and it's still kind of like, it's still a little pinch already. It's like, yeah, me and Kim. That's, <laughs> That's so funny. cool. Now, if you don't mind giving us the number. No, no. I'm <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to talk about endorphins. Let's let's get into this Yay. this new app that you got going. You're obviously a runner. You've yeah. done a marathon. Yeah. You know what got you into running? I guess to begin with. Uh, I mean, it's obviously a longer story, but I will be honest. Like, I was in a really like just dark mental place, lull in my life. Um, this is a couple years back, and like nothing major. Just I think everyone's probably experienced those times where you're just like what am I doing with my life? You know, I was watching my friends have kids and raise families. And even though I was happy in New York, it was like, no, you know, something was just off. Um, didn't have a lot of motivation to do anything. Had kind of come off the second book and was wondering like, what now? And New York Roadrunners emailed me. And we're like, do you want to run the marathon? I said, absolutely not. 26.2 miles. There's no way. Like my, that's just stupid. Those people are crazy. And then they followed up again. And I was like, you know what? What else am I doing really with my life? Like, I didn't feel purposeful. I didn't feel motivated to do anything. And so I figured I would try it. I went, they set me up with a coach that they had there. And I went on the very first day and like something about his belief in me, this is a complete stranger at the time who would later become, you know, a very good friend of mine to this day, but just something about somebody like actually believing in me in something other than a TV show for some reason, it started like one Tuesday and I never stopped. I showed up every single week. We trained for like six months and I just saw how, whether it was the running or whether it was just training for something, it just changed my life. It was like, I was accountable for things. I was, you know, instead of like maybe going out for drinks with my girlfriend on a Tuesday because I was bored, I was like, no, I'm going to like stay home and like recover because I have a workout in the morning. And there were just like, things that I was achieving that I was not achieving in my regular life. So I ended up training for six months and obviously like ran the marathon, but I always say like the experience of the training and like having something that motivated me every day that was like in my control, that wasn't about the outside world, that wasn't about, you know, how many likes I got or followers or things that like really didn't matter in my life how training for something that did really turn my life around. Yeah. Well, you know, when you take a running class, like you said you had a trainer, I always like, I'm so curious because I could run, but when it comes to long distance, is there like a method to actually run in like a proper mechanics? Do you learn that type of stuff? Cause, or do you just run? You just kind of train your body to, to do three miles today, four miles tomorrow, back to two miles or recovery run or like what, what exactly do you kind of learn when you work with a trainer? I was fortunate to have like a trainer that really like mapped it out for me. Who's actually, um, helped me develop this endorphins app and the training plans that are going to go on that luckily. Um, but there's recovery, you know, the gains are in the recovery. So there's an important aspect of actually taking care of your body after your runs. But yeah, you work your way up to it and you do it week by week. And I remember he used to only give me my schedule one week at a time. I'm like, why don't you just show me week eight? Like, let me see week 12. He's like, no, you'll quit. You know, the psyche you think like, and I was a walk runner, by the way, I could not run a mile straight. Like I was not like a 5k easy, you know, rolling right into a marathon. So I started as a blank canvas and every week it was just like amazing, like how much more you could do. And 
you know, if you take it slow, it was 12 weeks long. By the end of the 12 weeks, not only did I run a marathon, but like at one point I ran a 20 mile run. Like I would have never thought of running a 20 mile run in week one. So there's a psyche to it, but I think there's also something kind of crazy and beautiful about like what your body actually can do. Like the body you wouldn't think is meant to run 26 miles. And even when I was running the marathon, I remember being at mile 20 being like, there's just no way my body, like I'm down to do this. Like I've got six more in me mentally and emotionally, but physically there's just no way. And then somehow your body just does it. It just takes over. And it's a, it's like I said, it's a crazy, beautiful thing. So what, what does someone get out of this app? So like, you know, they go to download it. What's on it? What, what, what is this app going to give them? Yeah. So I'll say the app is really geared for like beginners or intermediary people. Um, I think there is a market in which like you can go on and see runners of Instagram on social media and these people are running, you know, seven 30 miles under eight minutes. Like I'm not an eight minute miler. I'm a nine to 10 to 11. Um, so I will say for starters, it's definitely geared towards beginners, but I want somebody to pick up the app and say like, Hey, you know, I want to go for a run today. I want to switch it up or my gym is closed or I'm overdoing, you know, the cycle. And if you, you know, open up the app, it's like, what do I want to do today? This is going to teach you like how to run. So whether you want to just run for a challenge, let's say you are a level one, you can go click on level one challenges. You can say, I've got 30 minutes to run today. What do I want to do? And it'll have like an audio guided challenge for you to run. So maybe it's two minutes on, two minutes off. Maybe it's a ladder where you kind of work your way up with running and walking. Um, there's continuous runs. There's all different types of challenges. Um, you could also say, hey, I want to train for a 5K. We're going to be doing our first virtual 5K in March. So the training program for that will start next week on the 18th. And so somebody can be like, yeah, I want to participate in the Endorphins virtual 5K. I'm going to start the 5K and five-week training program. And then we'll eventually have over the summer a half marathon. So you can either do a challenge. You can do a training plan. There's also things that take you like before the run, whether it's stretching, um, nutrition. We filmed like core. There's four different workouts for the core, which are also like, you know, not only helpful for running, but like for women, you know, you want to have the abs, like it's a nice little added bonus. Um, and then there's like post run nutrition, post run recovery. We've got some cool stuff too. We call it beyond the run. So, uh, there's a self-defense thing that I took place with, that took part in with somebody, um, who teaches me self-defense, which like is, was crazy cool. Like I had no idea any of this stuff and I just like walked away feeling so much more confident. Um, and we're going to add some programming in with that. So things that kind of go beyond the run, but the idea being, Hey, you want to go for a run? We're going to give you endorphins app. It's going to give you every single tool you need to be able to just go for the run. That's awesome. Well, uh, yeah, it sounds really cool. And I think it's really cool. You're starting like not just teaching people and educating people on running, but also creating a community around it and, uh, and making sure people, uh, they find themselves accountable, which I think is really important, which you found yourself, and it's really cool. So you can check out the app at Endorphins, A-N-D-O-R-F-I-N-S. Make sure you follow Andy at Andy Dorfman. Uh, at Andy Dorfman. She's a really fun follow, and it's crazy. She actually is a runner. Like, I remember seeing her in New York, and, like, every single day she was running. Even when it was freezing, I was like, like wow, you're actually running? Like, there was, like, no <laughs> one else running. She, she actually was doing it. I was like, this girl is dedicated. Now she's created the Endorphins app. <laughs> it's great. And that's what I say too. A lot of people like just to add on to this, they're like, Oh, I don't, I can't run. It's like, yeah, you can just change your perspective on it. Like, don't think of it as like a grueling workout. Think of it as 45 minutes away from your spouse or your kids or like just you time. I mean, when I go for a run, it's 
most of the time it's not even training for something. I just put my phone on do not disturb. I listen to some good music and I'm just like breathing fresh air for 45 minutes. You're in the zone. It's a vibe. I get it. I get it. But again, I, 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 I give you a lot of respect because I know there's – I saw you running during days that were absolutely freezing. I was like, fuck, this girl is, dead. This girl is doing it. It made me feel uh, – I was like, what am I doing in my life? I'm sitting here just reading It's Not Okay for the third time. Uh, no. uh, yeah, and actually that's another thing. Make sure you check out her book, It's Not Okay. If you're looking for something to read, it's a really fun read. Andy Dorfman, thank you so much. It's a, it's a pleasure and it's really cool. I'm glad you're, kill- I'm glad you're kicking Dang, ass. Dang, we're awesome. trying, you know? We're all trying. <laughs> Andy Dorfman, ladies and gentlemen. That was fun. She was cool. That was fun. Yeah, very cool, very fun. Again, I love just hearing like how the show is actually made. The one thing I took away is I, I thought it was f- interesting that the rose ceremony is not like when they do the names, it's not in the order you see on TV. And it's one of those things to look at. If you look around the room, you know, pay attention because you can maybe see who already got a rose and who didn't. Like it, it kind of. It's, I know it's it's interesting to find out that there's a little spoiler alert if you look closely. Well, I thought I thought for sure that they were stopping down because I remember we've talked to a couple bachelor or bachelor contestants or whatever, and people say, "Oh, they stopped down so they can like learn the names." And she was like, "No, I'm ready to power through it," and they wouldn't even let her power through it. I thought that was kind of funny, kind of interesting. Yeah, she's uh, she's killing it. But uh, Dax, any uh, is there any reviews? Because we like to read reviews on this podcast. You know, if you. Uh, if you leave a review, we like to uh, read them out loud to show our, our love to you and our, our, our respect to you because that's the best way you could do to uh, kind of support this podcast, the Hollywood World Podcast. So all you got to do is leave a good review, and we will read it live on air. Dex, do you have a review? Uh, no, because we read one at the beginning of the episode, so I'm going to leave that one only. <laughs> 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 okay, fair enough. But uh, you can find uh, the Hollywood Raw podcast on YouTube, on Instagram, on TikTok, on uh, on all the Twitter. You can find all the social apps. We have a video component that you can watch. Uh, you can see the video of this Andy Dorfman interview, as well as other interviews we've done. You can find me at, at Adam Glynn, G-L-Y-N. You can find Dax Holt at D-A-X-H-O-L-T. Make sure you t- check out Dax's Trophy Smack. Woo-hoo. You know, that business that he's in business with Mark Cuban. You know, that little business that you might have saw on Shark Tank that he made a deal. That was so cool. <laughs> I'm so proud of you, bud. Um, but uh, thank you guys for listening and uh, like and subscribe, and we'll see you guys later. Ahura Media Production.